Welcome to our series, Holy Habits. My name is Pastor Josh. If I haven't had a, a chance to meet you yet, so excited to have you. We are in part eight of a, of a series that we've been in for a while. I, I, just to let you know, to be honest with you, I had planned on last week being the last message. Like it was going to be done, it was going to be over. March 1st, I was going to start a brand new series for the month of March leading up to Easter, and the Lord said no. So I said, okay, yes, sir. Um, I feel like there's a couple more things that the Lord wants to share in this series. How many have been enjoying this series so far? If you've been here, has it been good for you? All right, so if you've been a part of it for a little bit, I want you to help me here. We've been going over just kind of a quick review of really the premise of this thing is that if you want to change your life, you got to change your, there we go, habits. If you want to change your life, you got to change your habits. And if you want to change your habits, you got to change your, you got to let God change your heart. That's where it is. This is the whole premise of this whole series. If you want to change your life, you got to change your habits. You got to change the things that you're doing in your life. And you got to, you got to invite God into that process because if you want to change your habits, you got to let God change your heart. You need to understand something about change. All of us in here probably got areas of our life where you want to change things that you would like to see changed. And, and, and we're all quick to go, man, I want to, I want to, you know, I want to quit doing this. I need to start doing this. And we can go into all these kind of things we need to start doing and stop doing and all that. And there's a place for that. But I want you to hear me very closely. God's greatest transformation doesn't go from the outside in. It's from the inside out. And what I mean by that is that the moment that you start going, God, I'm ready. God, I'm Lord. I want you to be engaged in this. You take you take, you, you do 10%. How many know God does 90%? God steps in and does, he multiplies what we do in incredible ways. So in this series, we've talked about prayer. We've talked about holiness. We've talked about relationships. We've talked about forgiveness. We've talked about thoughts. Last week, we talked about generosity. And today, we're going to talk about a word that I think uh, is a word that Many of us may know, if you've been in church in any words, uh, you probably have heard this word, but I think we don't really truly understand the meaning of this word, and here's the word, worship. Now, when you think of the word worship, what do you think of? Now, I would go ahead and bet that many of us think of singing. It's one of the first things that comes to our mind when we think of worship, when we hear people say, oh, it's time for us to worship, or it's time for us to do some, some praise and worship. We think praise is the fast songs and worship is those slow ones that we do. But I'm here today to tell you that worship is way beyond that. And honestly, at the core, worship really has nothing to do with singing at all. Worship has a whole lot more to do with, with our hearts and what God's wanting to do in us. And so today we're going we're gonna to dive into a passage of scripture in just a moment. But at some point in our history, we've turned worship only into singing. And I think the reason why we have a hard time worshiping is because we think it's only singing. And today I hope that we can maybe clear some of that up so we can get a real true definition of what worship is. Now immediately, I know mo most of you maybe that are in here are like, man, I don't even... How is worship going to help me? Like, Pastor Josh, let's go talk about the relationships again. Like, let's talk about forgiveness. Let's talk about those thoughts. Man, I got crazy, crazy thoughts. And I want you to hear me. Who's got crazy thoughts in here? Anybody? Okay. A couple of y'all. All right. Like, we all got some crazy thoughts. I've got crazy thoughts myself. And as I've been unpacking this series, I, I, I asked the Lord, I've been asking God, like, why, why didn't I start with this one? Because I feel like this is actually the foundation 
I feel like all the other stuff that we've done in this series, relationships, forgiveness, thoughts, how to live a generous life, you don't get to, let me put it this way. It's hard to do any of those if you don't get what I'm talking about today. Because if you're not careful, if you don't get the heart of what real worship is about, you're going to go to try to do all those things under your own strength and, and ability, and you're going you're to come to a place to realize you can't actually do it. And worship at its core is the foundation of why we do anything. It, watch this. Worship's why you come to church. And some of you be like, well, I don't like the singing, because it's not about the singing. Some of y'all, I, I, got, I, I call these people halftime people. They come in after worship. I don't really like the singing part. That's just not my deal. I don't like the... Some of y'all actually love the singing part. Actually, when we did the survey, just I'll give you a quick thing on the survey. Number one reason why people came to our... Uh, not came to our church. Number one reason that kept people coming back to our church, 98% was worship. One, I wanted to get offended because I was like, what about preaching? Like... <laughs> all right. It's okay. I like Ashley and the team way better than mine anyways. Preaching was number two, <laughs> but worship was out there. So I, 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 hopefully, and I think many of you are encountering God as we have our time of singing, but singing is not worship. Let me put this singing. Not all singing is worship. Watch this. And not all worship is singing. Okay. So um, so today we're going to look at the word. Now, anytime you want to really study a word in scripture, one of the things that theologians uh, will teach you is to call the, 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 um, the law of first mention. So here's the law of first mention, is that anytime you want to understand a concept of a word or you want to understand a doctrine or you want to understand anything that's there, you always need to go look in scripture at where was the first place it was ever mentioned. Where in scripture was it? So if you want to learn about serving, go find where the first word. You want to learn about, um, I mean, any word that you think of, generosity. You, you, go look at where is the first place that it is mentioned in scripture. And oftentimes, not always, but oftentimes, that gives you the purest, simplest desire that God had around that. So today we're going to go look at this word worship. And it's not found in the New Testament the first time it's worship. It's not found in the Psalms because we know David was a psalmist. It's not found there. The first time we see the word worship is in Genesis, the very beginning. Actually, Genesis chapter 22. And let me go ahead and just prep all of us here and those that are watching online. It's in the craziest place. It is in a place, watch this, it is in a place none of us would ever want to worship. Because God's going to redefine what worship actually is. So if you're ready, say, I'm ready. Okay, let's go. All right, so Genesis chapter 22 is where we're going to go. And this is the story of Abraham. Now, if you're new to the church, you don't really know much about the Bible, that's okay. Uh, I want to help you here. There's a guy by the name of Abraham. Uh, many people know him as Father Abraham. All of us are the lineage of Abraham in different ways. There was 12 tribes, 12 sons that he had, um, uh, that Abraham came out of Abraham's life. But we're going to find out real quickly, first and foremost, Father Abraham, um, he, he starts today with uh, a son, his son Isaac. Isaac's going to have you you'll go get all this later on. But I want to begin today with, Isaac, with, with Abraham and God having a moment with Abraham, and he's going to talk to him actually about this promised son named 
Isaac. Abraham had believed for a son for so long. He was 100 plus years. Him and his wife were barren. They didn't have any children. And so they're pleading with God, God, we want a son. We want a son. God had promised them a son. They didn't have a son. And so it came to a moment in Abraham's life where Abraham decided to take things in his own hands. Anybody in here have a little problem with taking things in your own hands? Yeah, me too. And uh, he, bore another, he bore a son named Ishmael. Ishmael was the mistake. Thankfully, God still was faithful and God did open uh, the womb and he, she bore a son named Isaac. Isaac was the promised child, 100 plus years believing for a child. If you've ever been in that place in your life where you've been believing for a miracle, you've been believing for something and it finally happened. Can imagine the elation and the joy of this moment where you finally have your man child. It's like, I remember when I always wanted to have a son. And I remember when we found out that Lindsay was pregnant, I was like, be a boy, be a boy, be a boy, be a boy. And we found out that it was a boy. For those that know the story, I already had his name. I already had everything planned out. All right, Josiah, I was so excited for this moment. And then God was like, here's two more. And I was like, whoa. <laughs> One was cool, but now I got three. So... Um, so I've got Josiah, Judah, and Joel in my life. So I just imagine as a parent this moment, like this thing you've been believing for. And so it says, sometime later, God tested Abraham's faith. Let me just pause there for a quick moment and know this, that a faith not tested is a faith not trusted. You can write that down. A faith not tested is a faith not trusted. Many of us want a strong faith. We just don't want to have to go through what it takes to have a strong faith. And if you want to have a strong faith in God, it's going to get tested. Just letting you know right now, it's going to get tested. You're going to go through some hardships. We don't have enough theology built around that. We need to preach more about that because the theology of suffering is because God is testing. He's strengthening us. He's, he's encouraging us. He's building us. So when it's hard in your life, hey, everybody, when it's hard in your life, say, thank God for the test. I just know this. I want to pass the test. Hey, here, because here's the truth. Let me tell you how this plays out in God's, God's economy. If you don't pass the test, he gets to let you retake it. How many of y'all don't want to take it again? Like, I'm good with one. Okay, so he tested Abraham's faith. And here, here's what he said, Abraham. And God called, yes. Or Abraham said, yes, here I am. Take your son. And I can imagine Abraham's like, I got two sons. Well, take your only son. Well, no, no, no. I, God, I said I had two sons. Yes. <laughs> Isaac. Oh, whom you love so much and go to the land of Moriah. So I'm going to tell you where you're going to go, the d direction of where you're heading. Next verse says, go and. <sighs> okay. Go sacrifice them. Now, how many are parents in here? Raise your hand. If you're a parent online, raise your hand. How many of you at times have wanted to offer your children to the Lord? Just like, Lord, here you go. You can have my child. Anybody? Let's be honest. There's probably times your children wanted to offer you to the Lord too. So, like, dad, I give my dad to the Lord. But this is a moment. This is a big moment where he's saying, take, take that miracle child and I want you to sacrifice him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I'm going to show you. And the next morning, Abraham got up early. And he saddled his donkey and he took two of his servants with him along with his son Isaac. Next verse says, and then they chopped some wood for a fire for a burnt offering and they set out for the place that God had told them about. And I can imagine the conversations that Isaac is having with his dad. Dad, what are we doing? 
oh, we're going to, it's a little father-son time. We're going to chop some wood, and we're going to go, we're going to worship the Lord together. going to be a moment there. And they're three days into this journey. Now, I want you to just pause. Let's just put ourselves in the story here. You, you as a father know what's about to go down, what God is asking you to do. You got up early the next day. You're quick to obedience, but you got a three days journey ahead of you. Can you imagine the thoughts going through his mind? Can you imagine the conversations he's having with his son? Have you ever been with somebody on their deathbed? Can you think about those conversations knowing this may be the last time I ever see my son ever again? Um, but there was a confidence that Abraham had because you're going to see in just a moment. It says when they got there, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. Now watch this. And he says, stay here with the donkey. And Abraham told the servants, the boy and I will travel a little further. Here we go. And we will? We will worship there. Watch this though. And then we're going to come right back. Now, I don't know if that was just like a faith, like, (laughs) we'll be back. Or if it was just kind of one of those, like, I'm going to just say it and I'm not going to let my son know what's about to go down. But regardless... This word is the first time we see it in all of scriptures right here in Genesis 22, in a moment where a father is about to sacrifice his son to the Lord. And notice there's nothing that says anything about singing. There's nothing in here that says anything about, hey, we're going to go play some instruments. <laughs> and we're going to have some lights on the stage and then we're going to have this. There's nothing. So, man, we're going to go worship. And today... I want a 100-plus-year-old man and a teenager teach us what worship is. Because I think they can teach us a little bit of what what it means to worship. Because here's what I know. Today, we clapped. We sang. Some of us maybe shouted. Some of us said amen. We raised hands. But here's my question. But did we worship? I know we did all those things. But did we actually worship? And today, we're going to look from the story of Abraham and Isaac and find out what it is. So let me give you habit number seven. If, you want to take, if you're taking some notes, write this down. Worship is our response to God for who he is and what he's done expressed by the way that we, everybody say this what, last one, we live. Watch this, not by the way we sing. Worship is our response to God for who he is It's holy and just and magnificent and amazing and glorious, but also for what he's done. Do I got anybody in this room that God's done something for you? Anybody in here? I just want to make sure that I'm in the right room today. And today we're going to look at what is actually, what, what is our response when it comes to worship? How do we live a life of worship and not just sing a life of worship? And here we go. And and here's, here's some good news. I got good news for everybody here. I got two points, two that's it. I'm going to keep it real simple today. Worship requires surrender. That's point number one. Worship requires surrender. This is what it requires of us. Let me tell you why people, I think most people want worship just to be singing. Because it's easy to sing about surrender. It is hard to live surrendered. <laughs> It is so easy to be like, I surrender, oh, I surrender. And then Monday, God's like, let's deal with this. You're like, I don't want to give that to you. Most things to you, my blessed Savior. We should really sing what we actually mean. 
God, I surrender everything except this relationship. I surrender everything except our sexuality. I surrender everything except my money. I surrender everything except my spouse. I surrender everything except my kids. I surrender. I, 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 I'm, I'm 85% surrendered. You good with that, God? And God goes, no, no, no. This is, I, I want us to do this. Now, let me ask this question. By show of hands, those that are watching online, you can give me a hand raise if this is you as well. How many of you have a little bit of a problem with control? Just raise your hand. You like control. Come on, go ahead. Raise it. Raise it high. Come on. You don't honestly need to raise it because we could have raised it for you. Um, I'll say this, though. If you're raising somebody else's hand, you really got control issues. It's like, yes, you, you. Raise your hand there. We love control because control makes us feel secure. Control makes us feel like we've, you know, we've got a little safety there. So if you're a parent, we love to control our kids. If, if we like to be in control of our finances, we like to be in control of our our, our job, we like to be in control of our plans, we like to be in control of our life, we like to be in control of our future. How many of you, though, have lived life long enough that you've realized you're in less control than you actually know? Anybody? Like, you're like, oh, I got this under control, and then it just took one little moment, you're like, I'm not in control at all. Anybody? I've, I've been there countless times where I think I've got everything, okay, everything's managed kind of well and everything, and one little thing comes in, I'm like, just blows it all up, and I'm like, what? This wasn't what I had planned. This is what I thought. And many of us, let me tell you something, that became a major reality when COVID hit. That more people had an issue of control than they could even actually imagine until they got to a place where they had no control anymore. And so we try to do things to get, bar, get our control back. But has anybody ever noticed the more you try to control, oftentimes the worse it gets, and the worse it gets, the more you try to control? And it's just like this repetitive cycle of trying to control. Watch a controlling parent. And we mask it by, well, I'm just being protective. And what ends up happening, and there's an element of that that is true. We are protective. I do that with my sons. There's parameters within my, my son's world of what they can and can't do. And there's super protection there. But you watch some who hover so much because I'm afraid. But, but they find out real quickly when they leave my house, they're not in my control anymore. And so fear goes to a whole nother level. We do this with our finances. <laughs> this is why we can't be generous. Because we live with the control, like, what, what's going to happen? What if I lose my job? What if, what if I do this? What if we play these scenarios out in our minds? And I can imagine for Abraham, 100 plus years of waiting for this promised child that God said that he would give to him and that there was going to be this lineage of God's people that were going to come out of, of, of his family. And so here's a moment where he says, finally, they, they get, they, Isaac comes into this world in this joyous moment of my, my celebrated son, my miracle son, I can't imagine, here it is. And then God goes, give me that. Notice God didn't ask for Ishmael. Because when he said, give me your son, I'm sure he was like, yeah, Ishmael, he's right here. <laughs> he says, no, 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 the one you love the most, give that to me. Give that one to me. 
Because oftentimes we have no problem giving God our mistakes. We just don't want to give him our miracles. God, you have that. Like, God, that was my, bad, my past. And, and God takes those. Thankfully, God receives our mistakes. God forgives our mistakes. But he also wants our miracles. Let's, let's define surrender here. Let's put, a, let's put a definition on this. Surrender means to yield to the power and control of another, to give up completely to relinquish. To yield to the power and control of another, to give up completely to relinquish. All right? Watch what Kay Arthur says. I love this. Watch this. This is a bold quote. I'm just letting you know. This is a quote you maybe want to take a picture of. This is a good one to take one. If you don't plan to live the Christian life totally committed to knowing God and walking in obedience to him, then don't begin. For this is what Christianity is all about. Now she takes it a whole another step further and she says this. It's a change of citizenship it's a change of government. It's a change of allegiance. If you have no intention of letting Christ rule your life, then forget about Christianity. It's not for you. How I many know that's pretty bold? Like, listen, if you want to follow Jesus just because of what you can get from Jesus and you don't want to give anything to Jesus, don't do it. Because a life of following Jesus is a life fully surrendered to him being your Lord, your master, your father, the one that is completely in control of everything that's going on. I don't think we mind God being our pilot. Like, you know, people got the bumper stickers like Jesus is my co-pilot. How do you know? He's a terrible co-pilot. He wants to take the wheel. And then we've got the Jesus take the wheel song and Jesus, you just take the wheel. Okay, you just take it. Here's the problem. Most of us think that at some point in this long journey, Jesus is going to be like, you want to drive sometimes? But Jesus is the one who dictates where we go, how we go, what we do. And too often I find most Christians are going and doing whatever they want to do. And then they try to invite God into what they're doing. And God goes, it don't work that way. No, no, no. I invite you to what I'm doing and what I want to do through your life. Psalms 95, verse 6. Look at this. Here's, here's our word again. Come. Everybody help me here. Come, let us worship and this bow down and let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he is our God. Now watch this. Watch this. This word worship right here is the same word in Hebrew that we found in Genesis chapter 22. And this word worship right here literally means, watch this, in the Hebrew, to bow down. So notice it doesn't say, come, let us sing. Now there are psalms that tell us to sing, that tell us to lift our hands, that tell us to clap our hands. But when we use the word worship that he uses it here, notice it's a kind of weird though because this word literally means to bow down. So let's read it. Come, let us bow down and bow down and kneel. Guess what kneeling is? Bow down, bow down. It's almost as if David is with a three-peat saying, let me show you what worship is. This. Constantly living from a state of this. Any people that are in police force will know that I need, if I'm going to take over something, I got to get someone on their knees. I've got to get them with their hands up, hands behind their back. I've got to get into this posture because this is a much easier, it's a whole lot easier to, to, to control a situation like this than if somebody's like this. 
And so what we see in Scripture is, is, is David and Abraham, and we see this in other places, is calling us to literally bow down to him. What are we saying? It's not saying worshipers don't sing. It's saying worshipers just acknowledge that God is in charge. God, you have it all. How many of you have ever um, had people over at your house like as guests? Like maybe like guests for a dinner or even guests for a night. How many of you have had, like you've prepped to have people over to your house? And you have them How many of y'all have had guests at your house and they didn't leave? <laughs> or at least leave in the right, you're like, whew. <sighs> like they're not getting the hint. You're like, whew. Man, I'm tired. Y'all, y'all tired? Anybody tired in here? Like y'all tired? Like. Like, I've started getting to the place, like, if I have people that just stay over and be like, y'all just lock up on the way out. I just, I'll be in bed, y'all. When, when we invite Jesus into, the, into our lives, into the house of our lives, Jesus comes, and he's an incredible guest. The Bible says that he stands at the door, and he knocks. He never forces himself in. He's not like, SEAL Team 6, let's go. Like, he knocks at the door and says, hey, let me in. And at the moment that we respond to the grace of God, to the invitation for him to come in, he comes and he lives on the inside. But I want you to hear me very closely. But he doesn't come and live as a guest. He now is the new owner. So guess what? So now he goes throughout the rooms of your heart and he says, hey, let's get this out. I don't like this. He redecorates everything. He allows things to stay, and then he takes things out. Why does he do that? So he comes into this room, and he's like, what's in this closet? You're like, don't go in that closet. Don't go in, don't go in that closet. What's in here? Oh, that's all my relationships. Can we just close that net like that's not there? He's like, no. Guess what? It's spring cleaning day. Let's go after this. And this is what he does in our lives, is that we receive the grace and the mercy and the forgiveness of Christ, and we're grateful for that. But Jesus loves you enough to let you come as you are, but he loves you so much he doesn't let you stay as you are. Everybody listen to me on this. He loves you so much. He lets you come as you are. I'm broken. I need grace. I need... Yes. He says, yes, you are invited. The invitation is there. But the moment that you say yes to Jesus, you don't just confess him as Savior. How many know you also confess him as Lord, which means he's the master? Everybody, hold your, hold your hands like this. Everybody, hold your hands like this, like this, right here, right here. Okay. Now, here's the deal. Many of us, many of us, our relationship with God is like this. And, and, and in worship... Specifically in the singing sections, we are lifting hands to the Lord, but we're lifting them with our pride hands. And we've got areas in our life that we're like, God, you can have all this, but you can't have this. You can't have this. Now, I want you to hold this. And I want to read something for you, uh, uh, something that we're going to see. In, in uh, Corey Tim Boone says this. I'm skipping just a little bit for you guys. Um, it says this, I've learned to hold things. This is what Corey Tim Boone says. I've learned to hold things loosely so that God will not have to pry them out of my hands. Now, everybody do this, do this. Now watch this. When God calls us to worship, we think that he's calling us just to lift hands, but how many know he's calling us to loose hands? 
loose hands before him. You can put your hands down. Because some of y'all, when y'all had y'all's fists, I thought y'all about to punch or something. Like, y'all had a face. <laughs> We're called to surrender to him. The greatest teaching on worship in the New Testament is by Jesus, of course. It's found in John chapter 4. Five times he uses this word worship. And Jesus is speaking to a woman who has been married five times. And she is shacking up with her sixth. I mean, no, this woman's got some relational issues. Five times married, shacking up with the sixth. Jesus has this divine encounter with her. He, the scripture says he had to pass through Samaria. He knows what he's on mission. This woman's coming out in the middle of the day because there's so much shame that she has. She comes out in the middle of the day. They have this interaction. And I want you to see the message that he preaches to her. Look with me. But the time is coming, and indeed it is here now, when true, everybody help me, we're going to say these words, where true will the Father in, uh, in spirit and in truth, and the Father is looking for those who will him that way. Next verse, it says, for God is spirit, so those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. Now, let me just say this real quick. If I'm this girl's pastor, she shows up to the church and she starts telling me, yeah, I've been married five times and I'm kind of with this sixth guy. We're kind of living together right now. I'm thinking this woman needs to be a part of a relationship series. This woman needs to hear about healthy relationships. She needs to hear a message on like, you know, maybe some things within relationships and how we honor God with the relationship. She probably definitely needs a sexual purity message. But watch this. But Jesus chooses to share a message on worship. On worship. I'd be like, Jesus, are you off topic here? We know what the girl's issue is. Why are you preaching on worship? Well, it doesn't make sense if worship is just singing. But it makes completely sense if worship is about surrender. Because how many know this woman has been worshiping men, 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 trying to find everything she could in men, 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 men. And every time she was not satisfied with each one of them. But finally she came to a place where she met the man and it changed her life. Because he said, listen, if you'll surrender this, I can change everything. Because I'm going to give you water that you won't drink anymore because you will be forever not. You're never going to be thirsting because I've got living water that can satisfy something for you. And this is what we do with our closed hands because we think money will satisfy or relationships will satisfy or, or this future plan will satisfy or these things will satisfy. And God goes, can you live with loose hands? Can you surrender these things to me, because that truly is worship. And if you fast forward this woman's story, worship changes her life and the whole city. Because they got the heart of worship. Worship is not just lifted hands. Worship is loose hands. Can I get an amen from somebody in the room that understands that this is God? Hey, listen, God's not after that. He's after this. He's after the things that are dominating this in our Life. So here's my question. Ready? The question is this. What are you trying to control that God wants you to surrender? That's a question we've got to ask ourselves. For Abraham, he had to surrender his plan for Isaac. He had to surrender his dream. 
Maybe it's a relationship that needs to be surrendered to him. Maybe it's your health that needs to be surrendered to him. Maybe it's finances or a job, or maybe it's your future that you need to surrender to him. I want you to, everybody listen to me. This is so huge here because oftentimes when God is asking you to surrender something, it's because he's got something better. He says, surrender this because I've got this. And so we give, we surrender our little thing to him and think, oh my God, this is so much. And God goes, you don't even know. Just wait what I have for you. But here's what I've realized. Watch this. God can't give anything to you when you live like this. This is a posture of receiving something, not this. So God can't give to you what you're not willing to let go of. Got to start there. You don't always have the power to control, but you do have the power to surrender. We do have that. All right. Point number two. So worship requires surrender, a surrendered heart. Number two, worship involves sacrifice. All of our favorite word, sacrifice. Now, let me... Let me read um, Genesis 22. Let's go back to the story. Genesis 22, verse 9 and 10. And it says this. It says, when they arrived at the place where God had told him to go, Abraham, watch this. What did he do? He built, a, he built an altar and he ranged the wood on it. And then he tied his son Isaac and he laid him on the altar and on top of that wood. And Abraham picked up the knife to kill his son as a, as a sacrifice. Everywhere there is worship, there should be a sacrifice. Something that we're sacrificing to the Lord. Now, some of you are like, like kids? What are you talking about? No, I'm not talking about that we're necessarily making that type of sacrifice. How many are grateful that that sacrifice is not required anymore because of Jesus? We don't have to do blood and, 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 and animals and things of that nature anymore. But what he's actually trying to get us to understand is that worship's not cheap. For Abraham to really, truly worship the Lord, it was a, an act of obedience, of willingness to sacrifice that what he loved the most. True worship's not worship until it costs you something. And there is no worship where there's no offering. Well, what do I offer God when it seems like God has everything? Question, does God need money? No, he's got plenty of it. He's got plenty of it. What is God looking for? What does God desire from us? What is the sacrifice that is pleasing to him? We look at the story of Cain and Abel where both of them presented a sacrifice. God rejected one and he accepted another one. Why is that the case? Well, we see in the New Testament what God desires when it comes to this idea of sacrifice. Thank God we don't have to do the ritual sacrifices that they had to do in the Old Testament. Like in our reading plan right now, I just got, we just finished Leviticus and I was like, woo! Leviticus is crazy, bloody and messy and Wild and just, just wild, wild. Uh, like these priests, they're like butchers and they're like medical doctors and they're like looking for scabies and they're like, it's weird, just crazy of the amount of things that the priests had to do. But I feel like, and as I read through Leviticus, I was thinking God was just wanting the people to know this is how I view sin. This is how I view the things that break my heart. This is how I view the things that are in your life that separate me from you. But how many thank God that there's not longer a lamb anymore? The ultimate lamb that was slain has been slain for all of us and his blood was poured out for all of us so that we could have access to God. We could come boldly before him. And so now what do we offer to him? Because we don't have to offer lambs and goats and any of that anymore. What do we offer to God? Well, Romans 12 tells us, it says, Romans 12:1 says, so dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to... 
to give your bodies to God. Because, why? Because all he has done for you. Why? Because worship is our response, right? It's our response of who God is, and it's our response of what God has done. Worship is our response to who God is. He's holy, and he's majestic, and he's amazing, and he's a father, and he's a friend, and he's Lord, and he's Savior. This is who he is, and he's my forgiver. But also of what he's done as I look across my life and the landscape of my life story, and if we were to look at every single one of your lives where God's hand has been on you, where God's saved you, and God's redeemed you, and God's forgiven you, and God's walked with you, and God's given you strength. And so my response is a response to who God is and to what he has done, and it is expressed by the way that I live. How is it expressed? Because we need to let them be a living and a holy sacrifice, here's our word, the kind that he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. This is the way that you worship him. It's called us into this. So let me give you three little sub points real quick. Of what, what do we offer to God? What is our sacrifices that we give to God? We don't have to do the lambs anymore. God is wanting us to give ourselves to him. How do I give myself to God as an act of worship? How do I give myself tomorrow? When the, when the worship team's not there, when you're driving to work tomorrow, and you're like, I just wish Ashley was in the back seat singing to me. Like, she ain't there. It's, it's more than a song. So how do I live in a life of worship? How do I do this? Here we go. A couple of things. Your heart and your hands. Your heart and your hands. We talked about it just a moment ago, just living open-handed, loose hands. But let me show you what scripture shows. Hebrews chapter 13 says it this way. Therefore, which by the way, anytime you see the word therefore, you should always go back and see what it was. Therefore. <laughs> I don't have time to go back, but I'm going to just tell you the verses that lead up to this is all about the ultimate sacrifice of Jesus on the cross, what he's done for us. And because of what Jesus has done for the cross, how many of you know Jesus surrendered all? Jesus, hey, nobody sacrificed more than Jesus. Because of what Jesus did on the cross, therefore, let us, who's that? Us. Offer through Jesus a continual sacrifice of, of praise to God. This is where our lips do get engaged. And here's how we do it. Proclaiming our allegiance to his name. And don't forget to do good and to share with those in need. These are the sacrifices that please God. Just real quick, by a show of hands, those in the room, those that are online, how many want to please God? Just, I just want to know, how many want to please God? I think, I think we're batting 100% here, hopefully. So what is God looking for? He's looking for heart and hands. Heart and hands. Fully devoted hearts. Well, well I, he's talking about proclaiming our allegiance. Isn't that our lips? Well, the last time I checked, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The reason why we have a hard time singing and declaring his praises is because we haven't let God do something here. Because I'm going to tell you right now, the moment God touches this is the moment God touches this right here. <laughs> Here's how I know it. Let me show you. Because the moment someone falls in love, go watch their social feed. 
Go, go out to dinner with them. They're all talking about, let me tell you about this guy. Oh my God. I'm like, I'm sick and tired of hearing about. Why? Because when your heart's been impacted, so is this. And so when I see people struggling with this, giving God the praise, do his name, it's because I know it's not a tongue issue. It's a heart issue. Because my hands and my tongue represent my heart. Preach. All right, so. This is, but is this not true? Because watch this, because when you fall in love with someone, not only do, does this get impacted and you're speaking about how much you love them, guess what? You start doing good for that person as well. You start buying things. I remember when I was young, my, my, my parents would be like, don't buy that for her. Y'all gonna break up. You're gonna waste all this money. I'm like, but I love her. Like, you don't even know. And now I'm like, I wish I would have listened. I'm mean, a little bit richer. Why? Because my wallet opened up the moment my heart opened up. So any moments we're seeing that we're having an issue with our tongue or having an issue with our hands is because we have an issue with our hearts. And so God says, hey, you know what? Hey, it's the greatest sacrifice you can give me, a sacrifice of praise, a sacrifice of allegiance to God. As God is my only one. God is the one that I seek first. God is the one that I'm pursuing. God is the one. And then, I, and then I'm looking for ways to live generously. Because once I realize how generous God's been to me is the moment that I can live generously. Now, you can go back to last week's message and see all the ways that you can be generous because it's not just about money. It's about our time and our talent, our treasure and our gifts and all that stuff, which actually leads to the second thing, not your, just your hands, uh, your heart and your hands, ready? Your gifts and your time. How do we live a life of worship? We do it also with our gifts and our time. We talked about a lot about this last week, but I'll just go back to that because God has given all of us spiritual gifts. Everybody, there's a wide variety of gifts that God's given. God's given gifts to everybody across this room. If you're a follower of Jesus, God's given you spiritual gifts. And those gifts are meant as a way to, to worship the Lord is I take a gift that I have given, that I've been given, and I give it back to him to bless others. Y'all with me? So, so our whole worship team that's up here that can play an instrument, that can sing, this is, this is their act of worship. Our production team that's back there in the back and pushing buttons and doing it, it's their act of worship. Those that are in kids right now, teaching kids and wiping butts and giving crackers and parking cars and making coffee, we think worship only happens in this room. They're worshiping just as much as we are because they're using their gifts and their talents to bless God's people and to honor it back to God. And here's where the issue is, is when we take our gifts and we take our time and we think that it's only for us. Because guess what? When it's only for you, guess who you're worshiping? You're worshiping you. But when I can take what God's given me and go, God, how can I offer this back to you? as an act of worship. Guess what, hey, ready? Tomorrow when you go to, worship, go to work, it is worship. Yeah. Everybody listen to me. When you go to work tomorrow, you are going to worship because it's more than a song. It's not singing, it's how we live. So you can live a life of worship as you're making coffee, flipping burgers, running a pipe, clicking on things, 
tending to someone in the medical field, running, running a tractor, like that is all worship. And we've made it just singing, but it is not just singing. You live a life, hey, when y'all go eat, that is an act of worship. Some of y'all are like, I'm good at that one. I got that one. I got just worshiping the Lord. Yo, some of y'all worship too much. Okay, so in moderation. Okay, so, but like everything we do, the way we parent our kids is worship. The way we, the way we compliment our spouse is an act of worship. Why? Because all of these are proclaiming that, that I am the Lord's and the Lord is mine. And I'm saying it with my mouth, but I'm also showing it with my hands. And all of us know people in here that can stand in this room and sing praises to God and live a life that dishonors him. So here's my question. Does God honor a sacrifice of praise that's only lip-based but not life-based? Actually, you go read throughout scripture, Jesus actually, I mean, uh, God actually condemns it. He says, you gather together and you sing to me, but there's vanity in your heart. Your heart is far from me. Your lips speak it, but your heart is far from me. How many know only worship that matters to God is a heart that is surrendered and sacrificed? Last one is your highs and your lows. What do we give to our God? What is a sacrifice that God wants? God wants your highs and your lows. God wants your mountaintops and he wants your valleys. How many of you here have been blessed by God? Come on, can we just for a moment just say, how many of you have been blessed by God in this room? If you're online, you've been blessed by God. Hey, watch this. I want you to hear me very closely because we've got to make sure that if there's ever a moment where God is blessing you, whether that's in your relationships or in your finances or in your soul or in your emotions or in your mental capacity or your kids or whatever, that we don't for one moment take credit for it, but that we pause and go, God, all of this is you. God, all of this is for you. God, the fact that I'm blessed right now is because of you. I didn't do this. God, you did this. And I'm telling you, I, I, this is what I've always found. Most people come to church when life is bad. When it starts getting better, they leave God. Because they start realizing, I don't really think I need him anymore. Until the bottom falls out from underneath them and they come right back. I'm saying this, hey God, in the good times and in the bad times, may I praise you. God, when I'm not just in the valley, but when I'm on the mountaintop, can I praise you? Can I give you all the glory? But I'm going to tell you right now, I think the sweetest worship to God is in the valley. I'm going to tell you why I think that's the case. Because it's usually the time you don't want to. Anybody been in a season where you're like, I am crushed, I am hurt, I am disappointed, I am tired, I am this, I am that, I'm frustrated, I'm mad, I'm this, I'm confused. I'm, how many know, when you lift your hands and you say, God, I still worship you, not because of the, the mountaintop, but because in the valley, I think that is one of the sweetest aromas to the Lord. I think those are the things that gravitate God's attention more than ever. Just the praise of his people to come to this place of realizing it's not just the mountains, but it's also in the crushing. It's not just in the good, but it's also in the bad. It's not just in the places where I'm blessed, but it's also in the places where I feel like I don't know what's going on. And it feels less, but it's actually costing you more. The widow's might. I don't have much, but this is what I have. When Mary comes and breaks the alabaster box of a perfume on Jesus' feet, and it's all that she has, and she breaks it. And the disciples said this, what a waste. That was her livelihood. Why would she do that? And Jesus, Jesus knows this wasn't a waste. This was worship. 
This was worship. This was not a waste. This was worship. So as I was writing this message, every time I'm writing messages and God's speaking to me about certain areas, I'm, I am, a, I love music. Like I, I read my Bible with music. I journal with music. It's usually instrumental music. It's just something for me. There's just something about music that does something for me that just connects me to God. It's kind of a thing that stirs my affections for the Lord. And so as I was writing this message, there's two songs that came into my mind as I'm writing this message. And, um, and so I text, I text Ashley and I was like, hey, this, this song, there's two songs that are kind of on my heart. Um, I Surrender All is one of them. As I was writing this and thinking about that first section of like surrendering to him. But the other song was um, the song that talks about you're worthy of it all. Like, you're worthy of it all. You're worthy of it all. This is, how many of y'all know the song, You're Worthy of It All? Maybe, maybe there's a number of you that are in here that, that may know that song. Um, but there's the, the chorus, the, the part of it, it says, um, it says, you're worthy of it all. Help me this, with this, Ashley. Next part it says, For from you are all things, and to you are all things. You deserve the glory. Sing it one more time. I want you to listen to this. Listen to these you words. Are worthy of it all. You are worthy of it So here's the part where the Lord stopped me. We love receiving things from God. I don't know if we love giving things to God. <laughs> this song says, you're worthy of it all. And from you are all things. And I think we'd be like, yes, Lord, yes. But then it goes and it says, and to you are all things. God, we thank you for from you all these things that I have. But then we've got to get to that part where we go and to you are all things. Why? Because you deserve the glory. Hey, everybody repeat this after me. Everybody say this. Say, Jesus, you can have it all because you're worthy of it all. Come on, say that again. Say, Jesus, you can have it all because you're worthy of it all. Come on, how many of you believe that is the case? Like, Jesus can have it all. So, I want all of us to stand all across this room. When you stand, we're, we're about, to, about to end our service today. And here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna create this place with where we're at right now. And if you wanna come forward, you're welcome to do that. If you wanna stay in your chairs, if you're there at home, 
Here's what I want to do. I want us to respond to God from his word. And I'm, I'm going to ask everybody as much as you can not to move around just for this moment because this is, this is a sacred moment as we come into a response moment. So I want everybody to hear me very closely. You become more like Jesus, not by the Bible you know. You become more like Jesus by the Bible you live. So American Christianity has bought into this lie that if I learn more about God, I become more like God. And it is, it has hurt a lot of people. I'm just gonna go to life group and I'm just gonna come and hear the word. I'm just, and it's good to hear the word. But I'm gonna tell you something, we've gotta to respond to the word in order for the word to get, to literally go from here, here's ready, goes from here to here. And so there's gotta be a response. And I don't know what that response is for you. It could look different for every single person in this room. It may be getting on your knees. It may be turning your seat into a, a Mount Moriah moment could be where you're at if you're at home or at wherever you are right now, but just turning where you are right now into a kind of a Mount Moriah of like, God, what is it that I'm controlling that I need to surrender? That's a question we've got to ask. What is it that I'm controlling right now that I need to surrender? And then number two, we've got to ask ourselves, God, what is the sacrifice that you're asking for me to give today? How do, how do I respond to you in the sacrifice? my time, my talent, my heart, my hands, my highs, my lows. For some of you, you had the hardest week ever. And right now for you to just worship the Lord in the midst of the heart is the greatest sacrifice you can give to the Lord. Some of you, God has blessed you absolutely amazing. And, and you to worship him in that moment is your great sacrifice to the Lord. But I'm, I'm, I'm dedicating that I'm not going to go after God and give any worship to God that doesn't cost me something. It needs to cost me something today. Now, if you know the end of the story, of course, God comes and he radically sends an angel and says, Abraham, don't do that. Provides a ram. How many of you are grateful for the moment where you're like, I'm going to give it. And God's like, okay, like here's the ram. But how many know sometimes God does it? <laughs> he does it in a different way. But if you're here in this place, I'm going to have Ashley just lead us in this moment. We're going we're gonna to just sing for just a moment yet again. Worship's more than singing, but it is a declaration of what he is in our life. Anybody in here grateful for what God's done yeah. for your life? You surrender your life. So wherever you are, if you want to come forward and you want to create this to be an altar, if you want to get on your knees, if you want to sit down right there where you are, we're going to take five minutes. And we'll see where the Lord goes. I mean, we may go beyond this, but we're going to take at least five minutes. We're just going to have just a moment right now just to, to go before the Lord. And I'm going to ask you, Listen, this is the part where it's so he's like, oh, hurry up, let's go get our kids. Don't do that. Don't do that. You're gonna miss a moment of what God's trying to do inside here. And often we miss so much of what God's done, doing in our lives because we're trying to rush. I'm gonna ask you just for a moment to sit right here in this moment in the presence of the Lord and say, honestly, God, Holy Spirit, what are you speaking to me? So I'm gonna stand up here. Any of our team that wants to come and pray, if you need prayer, you need anything, we're gonna pray, we're gonna worship together, and then we'll dismiss the service in just a moment. So right there, could you just lift your hands all across this room? Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. Lord, we just thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for your spirit. 
Come on, just right there where you are with your own words. I know it's easy to, to maybe copy what somebody else is saying, but could you just right there where you are have a moment with the Lord? Would you just tell him, what, what does he mean to you? Who is he to you? And just say it to the Lord right now. God, you are my, and then just right there where you are. This is your worship. I'm gonna teach you guys. This is how we worship. God, you are my, and then just to begin to declare who he is to you right now. And maybe just begin to declare what he's done. God, thank you for, and then just begin to fill in what he's done in your life. And so let's just take a moment here and you just begin to have a moment with the Lord. Go ahead. I surrender all 
Can we sing that? Just hear the voices singing. Because I surrender Because I surrender Because all to thee my Savior I surrender So Holy Spirit, we welcome you into this place. God, we thank you that you're speaking to everyone that's in this room. Lord, those who just, or maybe didn't know why they're here today, just showed up and just said, you know what, God, I'm, I'm just gonna be here. Lord, I thank you, God, that they are, they're here. And I pray, God, that we wouldn't just live, uh, we wouldn't just sing these declarations, but that we would live these declarations that what we sang on Sunday, we live out and surrender Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday. If there's those that are in this room and maybe you haven't surrendered your life to Jesus, that is the greatest surrender you could ever give. Maybe if there was a visual of your life, it's been you kind of just living your own life, doing your own things, doing it your own way. And if you're, you're here or you're watching online, you say, man, God is calling me to, to let go. He's calling me to let go. The beauty is that God comes and he lived a life you couldn't live. He died a death. He was the ultimate sacrifice. And today, uh, with your confession of Jesus as your Lord and Savior, he gives you the gift of grace. Comes and he purifies your heart. Comes from the inside. And so if you're here in this place and maybe you've never surrendered your life to Jesus being your Lord and Savior, I want to give you that moment today to just make this bold declaration. Could you just right there where you are say, Jesus, I declare today that you are the Lord of my life. I recognized that you came to this earth and you went to a cross to pay for the penalty of my sins. And you rose again to give me a place in heaven, a, a purpose on earth, and a relationship with your Holy Spirit. Come on, say, so today, I repent of my sins and I turn to you to be born again. Jesus is my Savior. God is my Father. The Holy Spirit is my helper. The Bible is my guide. And I live for you from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen.